The NBA is rumored to be starting a mid-season tournament, Steph is set to make $1 billion, and Sarver's punishment is handed down. Welcome to the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Neighbor, and we have two hooligans tonight. JJ, how you doing, my man? Feeling good, feeling great. How about you, Sammy? Can't complain, man. Football's back. The Chiefs look good. The Clippers might be favorites. What else can I ask for? John, speaking of LA teams, how are you doing? I'm great. I, you had me, except for that clipper part. That, that's nonsense. <laughs> Just wanted to toss that in, you know. <laughs> All right, let's kick it off. So, the NBA is reportedly following the WNBA's lead with a midseason tournament. According to Shams, the current framework of the tournament is saying that it could start as soon as not this coming year, but next year. We have cup games through November, eight teams advancing to a sim- single elimination final in December, and the other 22 will continue with the regular season. The tournament would take part as part of a normal 82-game schedule with one extra game for the two finals teams. So the league and the Players Association are still looking to finalize the concept and the prize package for the teams that will get to the single elimination round. So, big change, obviously, also goes in with the playing tournament at the end of the year that the league instituted. So, just overall, to kick us off, what do you guys think of throwing a tournament into the middle of the season? Oh, man. I think on surface level, I could see a lot of complaints because you could see players getting injured because why would you take a mid-season tournament serious? And also... You should be only playing for the trophy, which is the Larry O'Brien. However, they need to make it worth it to join. And I know we've said it multiple times, especially John, where you have contestants in the slam dunk contest who should be participating that don't because they don't make it worth it. So now I'm really curious to know what the NBA plans to do to make it worth it for these teams to actually try and make it entertaining for the consumers, us, John and Sammy, what what do you guys think would be worth it for a team like the Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, Bucks to actually try hard in December? John, yeah, that's a hard. That's hard. uh, I mean, that's just a hard one for me because it all depends on what the reward is, and if there's only two final teams, how how is that going to work? I mean, I know in baseball, I don't know if they do that anymore in baseball, but they have whether it's National League or the the a, uh, American League, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever wins the All-Star game gets home field advantage, I think, in the World Series. Yeah, I know they used to do that. I don't know if they still do that. Yeah, I don't know if they still do that. But uh, I'm just wondering, like, what would the NBA do here? I mean, what kind of incentive, like JJ said, could they provide in order to make it, one, competitive, and two, worth it? I mean, it is only one extra game for the final two teams here. But what's the reward? So... I'm going to reserve my judgment. I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but I'm going to reserve my judgment until we determine like what Adam Silver figures he wants to give as a reward. So along those lines, I was actually thinking of the baseball take too. Whatever they give as the reward, if it has any implications on the season, some people are going to hate. Are we all in agreement on that? Definitely. Some people are going to dispute it. So yeah. I'm going to throw a huge incentive out there to both of you, and you tell me what you think of it and if it makes any sense. Okay. One step further on what baseball does. Whoever wins the tournament, no matter what their regular season record ends up being, if they make the playoffs, only if they make the playoffs, they get home court in each round. Terrible idea, makes it worth it. What do you both think? You tell me. I'm just, I'm literally throwing it at the wall. I don't home know court for every home court for every, for every round. So sake of argument, oh, let's uh, say wow. it's a team who's like last year's Nuggets. Finished as the sixth seed, but in this case, Murray and Porter get healthy right before the playoffs start. So instead of going in as the sixth, they still play the three seed, but they get home court no matter who they play throughout the entire NBA playoffs as long as they advance. Yeah, I mean that's definitely that's definitely a that's bold. That's very bold. I'm trying to think what would make it worth it, honestly. Okay. And that was the first thing that popped in my head. I have some solutions. Go. Guarantee spot for the play-in. That's one. Or okay. if you win the tournament, 
you get the 10th pick that year. That's a good one. Draft yeah, I was, compensation? I yeah. was thinking about draft compensation and maybe like... Or maybe the team that wins gets an extra draft pick randomized from a lottery ball. Who knows? I don't know. Something like that, maybe. That's the only way it would have... Like, LeBron and Steph would be willing to play hard, right? Yeah. I think draft compensation might be probably... I think something that makes... It makes the most sense to me because I think when you try to change things mid-season and then make it affect the season that's already in, you know, in progress, I feel like that's going to cause a lot. It's going to stir a lot more pots and it's going to it's going to get a lot more controversy and have a lot of, um, you know, people complaining. I know what would motivate the owners. You win the tournament, you don't pay luxury. <laughs> No, the NBA will definitely will never do that. And the Clippers and the Warriors would be the final two teams every year because they pay more than me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like in theory, I like the idea. Um, yeah. But let's yeah. see what Adam Silver comes up with in terms of compensation, because that to me that's the kicker. That's the like that either kills, makes this a killing killer idea, or it makes it a terrible idea. Right, and going along those lines of who has incentive and who doesn't, Mark Cuban already came out against it, pretty much. He said, and I'm quoting, in terms of in-season tournament, I'm not a fan. I can see the Mavs not participating at all or resting our best players. Until they give me one of those, referring to the Larry O'Brien trophy, the prize is the prize. Do you think a lot of teams will have this logic? And let's remember one thing about this that was mentioned earlier. This will be part of the 82-game schedule. So, the losses will matter. But do you think a lot of teams will say, you know what, we're, this is a good point for a rest point? Or how do you think teams would approach it if they're perennial playoff teams, for example? Well, the way that it's structured is going to play an imperative part if players are going to rest because you're essentially in a tournament, you're playing, I would think, the best of the best, right? With you would hope, group, yeah. You would hope, so... That's going to actually affect the strength of schedule. You think about it. I, I will say this. If the, if the reward, if the compensation ends up being one extra replay challenge in the playoffs, I'm about to send Adam Silver a complaint letter. <laughs> I don't think it'll be that. I'm just saying. Can you imagine? That would be completely awful, dude. I, I'm really hoping because the monotonous of like, the mid-season playing of basketball you know we get not i don't want to say bored but there's no incentive you're waiting for the playoffs you're waiting for the playoffs By like march you're waiting for the playoffs yeah and right we've been waiting for the slam dunk contest to be good and it hasn't been good for years so do i have hope i mean a little bit but they haven't proved it to us right I wonder if they'll come up with a new trophy. Maybe the uh, Barry O'Lion <laughs> trophy for the midseason winner. <laughs> but I guess we'll see. So we'll, see. We'll, we'll come back to this once we get more news and we can do our final analysis once we know what the, what the incentive is going to be. Yeah. So speaking of the Mavs, poor Luka Doncic is suing his mother. Oh, because Luka's mom will not give up a trademark she created on his behalf titled Luka Doncic 7 and as a result Luka cannot start his own trademark without her surrendering it or giving it up so who's in the wrong here does Luka go an alternate route or how does this who's in the wrong and how does this end whoever (laughs) whoever wants to kick this off let me know well I feel like us on the panel here we were all we're all like family oriented we Mm -hmm. all were raised we're kind of like that old school luca is super young right what is he 22 23 i believe so he's something crazy where he's born in the 90s right so late 90s mind you and we you know we're much older than that we're old school and i regardless of whether or not luca is in the right here and there's a case to be made that Yes, it's him. It's his brand. It's he's the person that should really own it. But this is your mom. And personally, like, I don't think I could ever see myself suing my mom. Unless it was something 
so egregious that it, it like superseded yeah. money. It had something to do with like family or something with my wife or something crazy. Then then maybe I'd consider it. But other than that, I gotta I gotta side with the mom here, regardless of how I feel whether or not she's in the right. It just just my old school upbringing, I guess. Gotcha. What do you guys think? So uh, so John took a shot at Gen Z. JJ, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, he he ain't wrong. I'm gonna. Say that we were raised with that family-oriented mind frame. Yeah. The thing with uh, that I always say, and I think we all agree with this, is that we're mama's boys. And even when you're right, you are wrong with mama. <laughs> That's right. Right. And like, I've read people's comments on Luca saying that it'll be your own family, but isn't there like? A really business savvy move, mood where a uh, move where he doesn't have to use Luka Doncic seven, like Air Jordan, the Curries. You can't get more clever. Like maybe your mom needs money, man. That's well, for, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Then that, that's the part I can't get past either. Is a couple things on, and I I agree with you guys about you can't sue your own mom. But from the other side of the coin on this. Mm-hmm. What's the dynamic look like where she won't give up a trademark to him? Like, it's our, we don't know. Obviously, the family relationship has to be like strained. But I feel like if this was my own family personally, I don't think this would come up because it would be like known on the parents' part that I would, you know, help take care of them as part of the financial windfall from stuff like this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the part I'm like not trying to judge a man and his family. It's just it's it's interesting that we've gotten to this point of legalities, and just is how they worth, got to this point. Yeah, it's like I'm thinking: is it worth suing your mom? Like, right. is it worth to the mom holding to the trademark? And on the flip side, it's is it worth suing mama? Like, like right. you're right. You're right, Sammy. There's no. You know, I'm not, not passing judgment. Everybody has their own priorities. Everybody has their own reasons. I'm just like, personally, I just think that this is going to be a lot of regret if this isn't amended, this type Agreed. of situation. Like, yeah. I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, money comes and goes, but there's certain things that, to me, just take priority and and take precedent. And it's um, it's sad. It's a sad situation, honestly. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, and just purely, purely from the brand perspective of it, it's also just not a good PR look Yeah, to have, like, family stuff like this out so that podcasters, for example, can discuss it. Um, <laughs> but that being said, I'm going to move us into the next topic here. We're going to talk a little more about Steph and the Warriors. Uh, so Steph came out in an article of the Rolling Stone and said that the team would have welcomed back Kevin Durant answering in quotes hell yeah when it was ever if it was ever under consideration he said quote there was a conversation internally amongst us about if he was available would you every team has those conversations and obviously in our situation they're going to call me and ask me how do you feel about it I was never hesitant Curry explained the idea of playing with Katie and knowing who he is as a person from our history in those three years I think Katie's a really good dude so this is interesting to me also just because last last podcast we talked about how Steph said he would rather give up the two Durant rings yeah. over the one he won last season. Yes. So now that this comes out, I'm going to start this actually with our Warriors fan. If Katie came back, how would you have felt about it as a fan of the team, assuming that the compensation to get him was reasonable? I mean, it's hard to separate basketball and the character because what we've seen with KD and the shots that he's he took at the Warriors after he left. I think when you do look at this whole situation, you feel like if he comes back, automatic at least two more rings, right? Probably. But no one or not many people remember or we tend to forget that the last few months with Katie in the Bay, that team was not happy, man. Beat writers were writing about it. We had games where Katie refused to shoot the ball. It's just kind of being like moody and passing. 
one word answers flirting with Kyrie. like it's all it's all fun and games right like thinking about your ex you think about the good times right but you know like i don't think the warriors are thinking about the bad times when their ex-girlfriend made them feel really bad put them in depression in two years and they had to get their glow back on and now they're back at the top don't don't send out that i miss you text you know what i mean so you would not have been happy with this sounds like if it happened i mean selfishly saying i think there's part of me that say that says i would want it to happen just for steph to hit six rings <laughs> dre and Faye. but there's also a part of me that said if we could win it without him this year why can't we win it without him the next two yes john from a league-wide perspective how do you think this would have just affected everything um i mean I think the Warriors would have been favorites for sure. Agreed. I don't have them as the favorite right going into next season. I mean, by default because they are champions, but but uh, I know how JJ feels about my my assessment here. But I mean, like the Warriors are, are a contender, but I would you know I would put other teams, barring any injuries, above them. But I think. What I what I think of when I think of this story is, um, you know, when you leave a job, and or anybody, you leave a position, you leave a job, and you didn't have a particularly good time with certain colleagues, or you didn't have a great experience. But what do they always tell you, right? Exit before your exit interview. What do they tell you even like after you left the company? Don't burn your bridges. Yes. Never burn your bridges, right? Because yes, like it affects your connections. It affects possibilities down the road. And I think Steph is, he's a smart guy. He's a smart businessman. He's, hes you know, he's, he's obviously clearly a smart guy outside of basketball, but like Under Armour, he didn't sign with Nike, he didn't sign with Adidas. And look at Under Armour now. He's like single-handedly carrying that company, that brand. And he's going to, we're going to go on to a next to- a topic next that Sammy's going to touch up on next. And you'll understand why, but he's just an intelligent dude. And, I think he knows what he's doing here. He's not burning his bridges. He's making sure he just saying the right PC comments. Does he? Do I think he's genuine and he believes all this stuff? Uh, maybe. I think for the most part. But I think there's also a part of him that just knows that this is the right thing to say. I would agree with that, and I, I do think from a league perspective overall, I would have hated this only because they would have been a heavy favorite and. I'm sure as joyful as those two titles before things went sour were for everyone in the Bay, it was kind of like this predetermined, we already know who's going to win the championship. Both of those seasons, generally, that's how I felt about it. So I I do love on paper this year how wide open the league looks. I think it's going to make for one of the most entertaining seasons in a long time. And having that is just, that's something that you're going to, you would assume ratings will be higher, more people will be interested. I, th- I think it's better for the league, kind of similar to how we don't have like full-on super teams anymore. So, definitely glad it didn't happen in that regard. But from there, as John mentioned, let's let's go into one more comment about Steph. In that same Rolling Stone report, uh, it came out that he is poised to sign a contract with Under Armour worth potentially more than one billion dollars. His initial deal started at four million a year in 2013 he renegotiated it up to 20. obviously a lifetime deal it's hard to put an annual value on it but obviously but when you hear the billion dollar number that's staggering so that being said i think if anyone signs anything for a billion dollars it's generally a good deal for them so (laughs) the the perspective i want to ask you guys about is when under armor inks this deal steph's 34. How do you think they plan on building out the brand under this deal going forward? Not only for the next, the rest of Steph's career, but this is a lifetime deal. So 10 years from now, how do you think they're planning on building around Steph? Oh man, John, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll go first. No, I don't, have, I don't mind. I don't have faith in Under Armour to be frank. Like I think Nike failed miserably with, uh, 
with Steph and how they handled that relationship. John, you made the point, you know, last segment, last segment, don't burn your bridges. But for those that know what happened with Steph is when they pitched him Nike, the presenter or the salesperson that was supposed to talk to Steph didn't change out the name of the past NBA player that they're presenting to and even spelled his name wrong. So Steph was like, screw that, number one. Number two, like Under Armour, if you've seen how, how they've done their marketing and their product release and their their um, their product research, they're, they suck, dude. Their shoes look ugly as hell. There are like only three curry shoes I would buy and I'm like the biggest Steph Curry fan. When I wanted to buy the Night Night shirt, they sold it for one release under Shoe Palace. And I had to find out through the cuts of Instagram. It's like, damn, Under Armour, like, you. I thought the way that Reebok handled Iverson was pretty poor. It's gonna, I'm, I'm afraid for Under Armour, who arguably has the best football player in Tom Brady, who sold the most jerseys last year easily without any marketing. And you have Steph, the most likable player that all these kids resonate with. And they can't even capitalize on the simple product like the Night Night shirt. Trash ass brand, dude. Sorry. Just as a reminder, the opinions of our podcasters do not reflect <laughs> the opinion of the podcast as a whole. John, your, your thoughts. Thank you for sharing my sentiment there, Sammy. <laughs> because as, as much as I do not like the design of Steph Curry's shoes for Under Armour. He still has one of the top selling shoes. He, oh. he has nice shoes. Not the other. I'll, let me clarify. His shoes are okay. Okay, good. sorry. The yeah. other, the other, the other, the, other, the, the offerings and products from Under Armour. Yeah. yeah. I understand. Like as a whole, I get it. Okay. Um, well, first of all, that's subjective, but I agree with you. <laughs> but there are a lot of people. I mean, I'll use this as, a, as an analogy. There are a lot of people. NASCAR is one of the most popular sports in the world or in America. Like mm-hmm. it generates insane amounts of money. Budweiser, Bud Light, whatever yes. you want to say, all the sponsorships. But there's a lot of people generally, I think in our circle or friends and people that we know, that would not watch NASCAR for more than three minutes on the TV or even go in person, but it's huge. So I think there's a lot we like, we have to understand that there are a lot of people that love Under Armour. I mean, The Rock is probably the biggest movie star today. He's one of the most well-known wrestlers. He is a huge spokesperson, probably the biggest, other than Steph Curry, biggest um, advocate for, for Under Armour. Him and Tom Brady, I think, is also Under Armour as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sammy. Is that right? I think you're right about that. I okay. So. And so, like, I think they're doing just fine with them, the, 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 the amount of guys that they have signed and women, too. But your, to answer your question, Sammy, like, 10 years down the line when Steph Curry retires, they're clearly going to have to I think improve on their design and their functionality and and do things that are not going to be able to be carried by Steph Curry playing basketball at an elite level because that's part of it, right? You see Steph Curry on the TV making ridiculous shots, doing things that like you would only dream of on a basketball court. And that helps sell shoes. So if he's no longer playing, if he's retired, like you're going to have to have that Michael Jordan effect where you, you know, hopefully guys are going to remember him. They're going to show highlights of him. But like, that's only part of it. You have to have a good product. And I think JJ kind of is right in the sense that personally, I think Under Armour needs to have better designs. They need to have better functionality. They need to have better products, you know, beyond just like how they feel or the quality of the materials. They need to look good. And a lot of the products don't. So I think that's something that they're going to have to really uh, improve upon. Yeah, I would agree with, with part of that too. And I think just from a business perspective, you actually hit on what I was thinking, which was the Michael Jordan effect. If you're paying anybody that kind of money, I really think they're, maybe they won't full on branch out like Jumpman did, but they're clearly gonna create a, a line specific, even more so, more extensively, under Steph going forward. And I actually do think they might make it its own brand eventually just because 
how else do you really keep marketing a player who's been retired unless he has a very specific line of shoes, apparel, that kind of thing? Yeah. I think that's where they're going with this. And they're just starting now. I mean, technically, he's been under the brand now for, what, 2013? So almost 10 years as it is. This just makes it official. And so when he's 45, I don't think you can release, like, a Curry shoe under the Under Armour brand to me, and it's going to have the same effect. I really think his stuff has to be branded individually for this contract to really pan out for Under Armour. Otherwise, to me, it doesn't make sense. So that's where I went when, when they... When I saw the numbers and I saw Lifetime, that makes me think they're going to go in that direction with him. So we'll see. But the big thing is, if the product isn't there and it's not selling like you guys said, then Lifetime might end up being a lot shorter from the Under Armour side than it is from Steph's. <laughs> so, yeah. that being said, though, congrats to Steph. Well earned to get a contract of that size. Obviously, it shows the impact he's had on the game and on kids playing the game today. So let's move into one more story here, uh, one more big story, I should say, about active league activities. So Robert Sarver, at the beginning of the season, was being investigated for workplace misconduct, uh, general, uh, frankly, some racism allegations, things of that nature. And the league investigated pretty much throughout the season. It almost took about 12 months because that story, I think, dropped right before last season tipped. So the NBA finally announced his punishment, and so they have suspended him for one year and fined him $10 million based on the investigation. Part of what was revealed during the investigation is that during his time with the Suns and Mercury, Sarver has used the N-word at least five times, quote, when recounting the statements of others. There were also instances of inequitable conduct toward female employees. Uh, including sex-related comments and inappropriate comments on employees' appearances. So, excuse me, actually, the story came out in November. So, it's been about nine to ten months. Now, as part of the suspension, Sarver is not allowed to be around any NBA or WNBA facility, including offices or practice facilities. So, that actually might benefit the Suns, quite frankly. But going from there... So, let's, let's talk about this. The biggest comparison we talked about before this started that seems similar was Donald Sterling's allegations and what led to him being banned out of the NBA. Given that precedent, is this punishment appropriate, too light, too heavy? And if it's either too light or too heavy, what do you think the punishment should have been? I'll start this off with John. <laughs> well, I am by no means a Donald Sterling proponent. So take what I say at face value here and with a grain of salt because I'm not defending him but what I'm saying what I what I think here is what is different that Sarver did that, that Donald Sterling did, didn't do right isn't their behavior pretty similar here and I don't know the exact details but I feel like there was obviously racism there was sexual um, you know inappropriate sexual advances and so to me, it's why is Robert Sarver only getting suspended for a year and Donald Sterling had to, you know, be banned from the NBA and sell the team that he owned? Like, maybe I'm missing something here, but I feel like the punishment is definitely too light if we're using Donald Sterling as precedent and as historical, um, you know, historical, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Precedent? Precedent, right. So, I will tell you what I think the difference is. I'll tell you the difference, too. Oh, okay, go ahead, Jay. Go. go. The difference is that Sterling got caught with an audio file. Bingo. That's exactly where I was going to. And just to go cross sports, you know the other comparison of another horrible incident? Ray Rice. Exactly. Got two games. Then the video came out and he never played again. I think that's the difference, John, is that... It's somehow when there's video or audio file, it it really gets an emotional Mag reaction. It magnifies completely. So it's so it's 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 influenced by public perception. One hundred percent. Yes. Right. And I'm not I'm I'm not I understand that. I'm just stating that for for the group and for people listening. But I I, I, I it makes sense. You guys you guys are right. 
So that being said, then, do you think that the punishment should have been a lot more severe? Or what's uh, your thought? I'm still on the... Yes. I think that, like... If they're saying that there's no, like, irrefutable evidence because there's no audio file, there's no video file, then I guess you can make a case for it. But if you're suspending him for a year, there's clearly evidence or some sort of proof that he did the same type of egregious behavior and and comments as Donald Sterling. So to me, regardless of whether there's a video or not, I feel like the punishments would still be the same. If they have irrefutable evidence, which based on their punishment, it seems like they do. Right. Jay, what do you think? They need to get rid of this guy, man. He needs to sell the team. Right. By him being yeah. suspended. Who, who, sorry my language, but who gives, a, who gives a shit, man? He could still make money. He's still, yeah. he's, he's still a higher up, arguably the, the top of the top at the NBA. He's a proven racist, proven sexist, and the majority of the players that bring him revenue are black. This is the same thing that Chris Paul had to go through for Donald Sterling. And I'll rarely say this, but I feel bad for Chris Paul, man. Mm. He has to go through this again. Like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have to criticize someone, I'm gonna also criticize the commissioner the commissioner, man. This is a bad mistake. He has to fix this ASAP. Inexcusable. You wonder if as part of the suspension they're like gonna try to be behind the scenes getting him to sell the team off and even so i i agree with you both i don't know if they were worried about a legal response in a court battle that they didn't want to deal with and so maybe that was their approach is let's suspend him and then see if we can under the table we'll get him to, to sell the team and be done with it but it, it is weird because Clearly, the guy's not a good owner. Even from a basketball perspective, he ruined three or four Suns teams going back to 0708 because he kept selling draft picks. He traded away Joe Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like he cost the team there. By all accounts, based on the sport, this is not a good dude. Clearly, has some racist tendencies. So I don't know how they're going to justify this, but the only thing that I could think of is that they were worried about a court battle. That's the only thing I could see. And with Sterling, because they had the audio, they knew that they had everything they needed. They had the, the smoking gun to get rid of him. The, the NBA prides itself in being the leaders in all of the three major sports for the civil rights movement, Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. uh, helping out with charity, whatever it may be. Yeah. You cannot have one of the owners like Sarver making decision making for all these employees right right so i guess we'll uh we'll see how this progresses we'll see if he is still the owner of the team starting next season or if the nba is going to try to strong arm him a little bit and see if they can get him to sell the team with that we're going to hear a word from a couple of our sponsors football fans the first sunday of the nfl season is here And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of hip hop, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Go to buyraycon.com slash TBPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TBPN to score 15% off. Byraycon.com slash TBPN. All right, fellas. So we're going to play a little game here. The 2022 season, it ended. We're about to begin the 2023 season. And I kind of want to, before we close the book on 2022, 
I want to look back at the season and think about what were some major milestones. So when you think back, say it's 2033, when we look back at 2022, what are we going to say about this season? What were the milestones and what did it prove or disapprove? So we'll go ahead and start the 22 season proof question one, sure, false, and why. This legacy of Chris Paul has cemented him as, and I'll pick the adjective, overrated, sure, false. I'll start with John first. We'll let the Clipper fan go last. Uh, um, overrated as the point guard. The legacy of Chris Paul has cemented as overrated. Did this I'm going to say, say true. Because of the narrative around Chris Paul.、Um, you know, a lot of pundits and a lot of people have him as one of the best point guards of all time. And I mean, you can make a case for that personally. I don't agree with it. But I think, based on how he's perceived in the media, I think that is going to be true that he will be looked at as overrated. All right. Interesting. Sammy. I agree too, based on how you finished that up. I think he will go down as one of the best regular season point guards of all time. But in the playoffs, it just it hasn't been there. Most years, call it injury, call it he's choked a couple times. But he's been at the top of the point guard list for 13, 14 years now, and he's only been in the finals once. I mean. Some point, you gotta call it out. So I, I, I go through. All right, both true for Chris Paul is overrated. Next, true or false question, gentlemen. The 2022 season proved that Greg Popovich is no longer a current top five coach or isn't a top five coach. We'll start with Sammy this time. True or false? I'm gonna go with false on this mainly because the Spurs haven't had a ton of talent in a while to compete at the top end. So I don't know if I don't know if he is a top five coach at this point, but I don't know if he isn't, if that makes sense. So I just don't know if we know that because of the talent and given the roster that they're putting out there this year, I don't think we're gonna find that out this year either. But、mm-hmm. yeah. Based on that, I just don't think the talent's been there, so I'm going to go with false. John. Yeah, I'm going to go with false, too.、Um, I think, like, as a coach, some of the criticism you have as a coach as, as time goes by, especially with a coach that's been so long tenured like Greg Popovich. You don't lose your instincts, instincts as a coach. You don't lose your X and o, X's and O's. You still have that. But at, what I think maybe he might be lacking is that his ability to adapt, especially for these old school, you know, old style fashion coaches. that they, There's a new era in basketball that's shooting a lot of threes,、mm-hmm. that's shooting within five seconds of the shot clock. And I don't know if Greg Popovich is the type of guy to. Adapt and play like that. But that's also not to say that he can. I still think he's a great coach. And I think that Sammy's right that he hasn't had great talent. I would love to see Greg Popovich with the talent that he, you know, obviously that he had with the Spurs for so long. Even give him a decent team. I mean, DeJounte Murray was, was decent, but he got traded, obviously. And now the Spurs are in no man's land. So. <laughs> I mean, maybe he makes, if he can make the playoffs with this current Spurs team, then you got to put him back right up there, right?、Mm-hmm. If he、But、makes、yeah. the playoffs with this、I'm、current Spurs、false. team, he's number one, unequivocally. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to say false. So both false, he, he is a current top five then. He is current top five. I'm gonna, maybe like four or five, I would say.、Mm, interesting. Okay. So coach hasn't made the playoffs in the past few years, is top five. Respect to Greg Popovich, obviously, right?、Mm-hmm. All right, fellas. Number three, 2022, the death of the super team. So, super teams 
for a while, have been in the mix. Championship run. First time in ages, you could argue they did not have a super team, all homegrown. Is this the sign of the end of the super teams, 2022? Anyone want to go first for this open ended discussion? Because you might feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I think the three man super team is dead. That, that version that the Heatles basically started. Actually, even the Celtics maybe before them started. Yeah. I think that version of the super team is gone because depth is more important than it used to be. I don't think it's, I don't think you need to be 10 or 11 deep, but I don't think you can go three top end and then have nothing behind it because it doesn't just limit the talent behind it. It also listens, limits your trade flexibility and your mean? flexibility to make any other moves. John Wall, Paul George, Six million for John Wall, baby. <laughs> that's a that's a big three on discount okay. right there. That's okay. a little different. Okay. And we're like fifteen deep now. I mean that four hundred million dollar payroll. <laughs> there you but go. I, I will go with uh, I'll go with True on this one. I think the three man team, which this seems to be referring to, is is dead. All right, John, your Lakers, LeBron, so, AD, and uh, so. I don't think it's the death of the super teams. I think those are still going to be around indefinitely. As long as there's big market teams like LA, like Brooklyn, like Golden State, even like, you know, Dallas, other big markets. But what I'll I'll say this, I do think it is closer to the death of the success of super teams. I think that's a better way to put it because I think you're seeing more yeah. and more teams that have a lot of depth, that have a better system, that play together, that have the cohesion. Those are those teams are becoming more and more successful. You have the Grizzlies, you have the Celtics, you have the Bucks. Who, I mean, you I can make a case that they are they are it's a super team, but they're more and they have more depth than anything, right? Drew Holiday is a great player. Chris Money Middleton, despite what JJ says, is, is still a, a really good player. <laughs> And you have Giannis, obviously. So I think the tide is turning in terms of their success. But in terms of super teams, as long as there's big markets, as long as there's all this fraternizing, which is still going to be happening probably more so down the line, I think there's always going to be super teams. All right. So So I'm going to say false. false. I'm going to say false, yeah. Okay, perfect. I love it, guys. I love the answers. We're going to skip our our other question, which is uh, the rise of organically grown teams that prove that they're successful. I want to go something controversial. Centers are overrated. Centers are overrated. Did 2022 prove that? We had a rise of the center-centric team in Embiid, Jokic, and Gobert, and all three of them did not make their prospective finals conference or conference finals we'll start with john first are centers overrated the 2022 prove that i think in the traditional sense yeah they are overrated like you know the the centers that we're used to seeing where they're they're getting rebounds and they have their back to the basket um like those days are not like they're few and far between now. I mean, like the days of, because sh- you guys, we don't have centers like Shaq, right, or that are just like so dominant, or like Tim Duncan. I know he was a power forward, but I still consider him a center. Um, like those are Shaq is the most dominant player probably in the history of the game, and like. <laughs> I'm trying to explain this in, in, in you know as as eloquently and as clear as I can, but like those days of, of those centers are gone. I mean, Embiid is pretty good, but he's not a traditional center. Jokic is probably the most out of there, and I don't know why Gobert is on this list. Who's trolling? <laughs> but yeah, like Jokic is probably the the one center, and even then, like Jokic is is such a unique talent. You didn't have centers that could pass like he can, like that can, you know, who are who are as smart as him. So in a traditional sense, I think they are dead. But in terms of, I mean, they're always going to be a position in basketball. But I feel like it's just so, it's so unique and it's so um, flexible these days. But in terms of the traditional centers, yeah, I think that they they are overrated. 
but not the ones that we have today. Okay. Sammy. My answer is kind of along those lines, so I'm going to say false in that the center that we have today, the Embiid, the Jokic, that those are today's centers. I think the traditional center is gone, like you're saying. So in the scope of today, I don't think they're overrated. I think the teams that were built around them were pretty not great, we'll say, unless James Harden has that MVP campaign that, that John wants him to have. If that's Let's the case, and I think it'll expose the talent. <laughs> I think Jokic's team obviously got battered by injuries last year. Um, I don't think Gobert is overrated anymore unless it's by the Timberwolves because the rest of us don't think he's frankly that great outside of regular season defense. <laughs> so just don't get mad. I'm only being real. Um, so I'm going to go with false overall because I do think Embiid and Jokic and the, the current version of centers present such a unique matchup and a disadvantage for their opponents that in the right set up and the right team build they would just be an amazing chess piece now i do think we can ask a question of do teams know how to build around centers like that because we haven't seen it done successfully yet good question so that's where i would go with this is do we have the right management in place to build around these guys and maybe if the nuggets are healthy this year at least on from the west perspective we might find out okay so we have one true, one false. I love it. I love the the communication between you two. Um, next question: True, false. True, false, and why? Fully healthy, the best Los Angeles team is who? We'll start with Sammy. Is it the Clippers? The only way it's not the Clippers is if we're talking about the Dodgers or the Rams. All right, so, like, otherwise, this isn't even in dispute this year. So, I mean, if you want to go basketball, it could be Clippers 1, Sparks 2, depending. But the, this this ain't debatable right now. I'm sorry. It's just not. Not until, if unless Darvin Ham is the coach of our lifetime, if he can make those three guys work together this year. So, unequivocally, this is the Clippers currently, as wow. things stand right now. John, you better have a good rebuttal, please. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is one of those no comment necessary based on Sammy's Sammy's answer here. I, unequivocally, Sammy's wrong, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I was, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest here, and I'm gonna be, I was gonna, I was gonna agree with Sammy, and say that he may be right. But then we signed Patrick. All I do is run around Beverly. We traded for him. And now I think that the Lakers are far and above the best team in Los Angeles. Yo, we got that dog, man. We got that dog now. Let's go. There you go. We have a split decision. The best team what in a Los shock. Angeles. What a shocker, huh? What a shocker. So we're going to end part one tonight of the revisionist history of 2022. So the last question of tonight, Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal care more about money than winning. Did 2022 prove that? I'll leave the floor open to whoever wants to answer that first. Controversial, yet often spoken about. Do they care about more about money? Did 2022 prove that when they signed? I'm very, I'm, I'm very split on this one because I think it's true for Bradley Beal, but I think mm -hmm. it's false for Damian Lillard. Ooh. And okay. I say that because I think Damian Lillard cares more about loyalty than he cares about money. But I do think that Bradley Beal signed his contract for the money. And I know Dame signed a hefty two-year extension, but everything that I've known about Damian Lillard that we've seen or we've watched, everything that he says like for the past, I mean, his entire career, basically, indicates that he's about loyalty that he's wants to win with the blazers regardless of how far-fetched that may be and a lot of people think it's far-fetched including us but he sticks with the team i mean money's a part of it and i think it's important to him but i think he cares more about loyalty bradley beal on the other hand i do think he cares a bit more about money um he's pulling a he's pulling a, a freaking carmelo anthony out there in, in washington 
it's, I'm having like Carmelo Anthony New York Knicks flashbacks over here. So I'm split on the two. I think it's true for Bradley Beal and false for Dame. So I generally agree, but the only thing is I know Dame has talked forever about loyalty, and I do respect that if that's where he's coming from. I get it. But if I'm looking at the numbers right, he's never signed anything less than a max contract since he's been eligible for one. That's the only thing. So I respect what he's saying. On some level, I do believe it. But at the same time, he's estimated to be collecting $450 million in contracts by the end of 2026. If he wants to win in, in Portland that bad, I'm not, I'm not saying he should do this, but if it's that, if that's the most important thing, do you take a pay cut at some point, even if it's just a little bit, like over the next few years, rather than your cap numbers of 42, 45, 48, 58, and 63? So that's the only thing that catches my eye about this, is that I know he's talked about the loyalty and that sort of thing, but the contracts always are max. And I'm fully a proponent of players maxing out those deals. It's just it goes a little bit against what he's saying. So because of that, I'm actually going to say this is true. Ooh, I love it. I love that almost each and every single question was split between you two. We might have a tiebreaker when June joins the pod. So shout out to June, who's uh, doing what he needs to do on the job front. So we're going to go ahead and conclude the pod there. Thank you for all of our clinic listeners out there. Shout out to uh, RJ, our video producer. Sammy, thank you for joining the pod, man. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for picking up the hosting on the second half. Yeah, of course. Thank you for letting me host. John, thank you, brother. Hey, thank you, guys. And uh, Chargers Chiefs Thursday. Go Chargers. <laughs> so, once again, shout out to RJ, our video producer who works hard behind the scenes. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm your host, JJ. Good night, everybody. Much love. <laughs>